Will Clark. He was a left-hander, first baseman for San Francisco Giants. Good hitter, good fielder. He came, he came walking over, and I said, um, I just was like, can I have your autograph? And he's like, what do you say? And I was like, oh, please. Yeah, okay, all right. That's what he did. He actually grabbed me. He goes, what do you say? And I was like, please. He goes, okay. And then he signed it, and then he gave it back. He goes, thank you, you know. And so, I, but I, I just remember, it was, it was kind of good for me. To, it was good for me as a kid, as a boy, to, be, to do that stuff from the standpoint of manhood, to confront another man, you know, and treat them from that standpoint. Um, so that was good. But, but, but my whole thought of telling you that, it was fun and everything, is this, I asked my friend, what do you say? What do you ask? And that's what Paul here is asking something. He's saying something to God. He's asking God for an endorsement. He's asking God for favor. And so Paul shows us what he says, what he prays. Look at verse 9. And this, this is what I pray. This is how I entreat the most famous person ever. This is how I get his endorsement. Now, in this case, it's not everything a person could possibly pray. It's not telling us every type of prayer in the Bible. But this is a tailored prayer that Paul prays for the particular church of, the Philipp of Philippi. What does he pray for them? What does he ask? He, he prays about their love. We're gonna, we talked, I know we talked about this, but I feel like the Lord wants me to bring another message. Their love, what they approve of, being sincere, and being without offense. Those are kind of the components of what he prays for. So again, let's just consider this for a little bit. Why should I even care what Paul prays? Well, we should care what Paul prays because he's an apostle sent to teach Gentiles in verity and truth. That's us. And what he's praying is suggests that it's something that I need to have developed in my life. So whatever he's praying here, we know with part some of it's about love and being sincere. So if he's praying for that, for this great church, that suggests they need that still. Not only that, but it suggests that it's something I should pray for myself. It's something I should pray for others. It's something, these qualities that we're going to see to pray for is something that I should want to see developed in those that I'm a leader to. Paul's a leader for the Philippian church. In my case, I have the great privilege of being a leader to a church, a leader to my family and my children. These are things that I should pray for and see worked and developed. So the value of his prayer suggests this is what you should also pray for others and for yourself. This is what you should also want to see developed by Jesus Christ in yourself. We haven't even got into all the thing of the prayer yet, but just think about this. It's a prayer. Praise about their love, about proving what's excellent, about being sincere, about not being offensive. Just those are the points. But it also suggests, now wait a second, that church was loving. That church seemed like they had a high, good quality church. They seemed to be pretty sincere and they didn't seem to be offensive at all. Paul really liked them. Paul's praying for the things that they already are, at least that they have been. So watch. That suggests that whatever good you are 
let's say yesterday, needs to be prayed again for and developed today. He's praying for good things that they seem to have already had, but he's praying that they get refarmed again and redeveloped and stirred up again. You know, you have a, these fields. We, have, we still have some fields out here, right? Corn and, I don't know, I haven't seen cotton very much lately except in the West Valley, but we have our crops out here and they develop it, they grow it, they harvest it, and they do it again. Till up that field again. Sow it, fertilize it, irrigate it, cultivate it, harvest it. Then they do it again. They keep, they cultivate. It doesn't matter if the field was like, that was such a fruitful field in 1999. Great, do it again and for 2000 and do it again for 2001. And that's how, well, Paul's showing, he's praying for the Philippians for stuff that seems like they already are. And for us, again, I've said this, and i got to always tell myself, I'm glad it's good if we've had test, a good testimony. It's good if y'all have had a good testimony in your Christian life. Some of us haven't, and we should say, God, thank you for a new day. I want to have a better testimony today. We've all blown it at times. All had our Peter moments of blowing it. But, but if we have whatever good you can say you have been by the grace of God yesterday or up till now, it needs to continue on through tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So let's look at this prayer. What does he pray for? Which is what we can pray for and with what we should desire. That He says again that your love may abound yet more and more. What is the Philippian church? They were a loving church. They were a generous church to Paul. Uh, they were hospitable when he first started the church. They were, hosp- they were generous in sending one of their church members hundreds of miles to visit them in Rome and give them a gift. They are very loving. We know those tokens of love right there. I'm sure there's more beyond that. But Paul says, I'm praying for your love. So we should pray for it. Pray for our own love. Are you a loving person? Pray for it to be if you're not. And pray for it to do what Paul's praying for them, to abound more and more and develop. <clears throat> Again, it can't, it's like I've been a very loving person. So what? Do it today and tomorrow and develop it tomorrow. And you're like, well, I haven't been as loving. Then pray for it. And stir up that love again. And ask God to renew your love and the Holy Spirit to develop that fruit again. Paul's praying for their love. Again, what is it? Components about their love. That it would grow more, that it abound, that means flourish more and more. In knowledge and in all judgment. The idea of in knowledge and in all judgment. That has the idea, it's discerning love. It is um, characterized by discernment. Perceptive. You know, you don't just do anything for just anybody and think you're loving. You don't just randomly throw money at anybody just for any reason, for any amount. No, love with judgment, love with knowledge. Um, You know, if a guy is is battling a a drug issue, I'm not just going to throw money at him. That's not really loving. That might be the opposite, right? Right? That might be the opposite. Now, somebody else may have a drug problem and they have some other struggles. Maybe giving money to them might help. But I can't, in other words, Paul says for the Philippians, I want you to abound in love and knowledge. means your brain is working in what you're doing. And discernment and all judgment. It means use perception in how you're helping somebody. What is love? What truly is love anyways? 
What truly does a person need? Brother Rusty and I were talking about this the other day on the phone. I'm glad the Burtons are back, by the way. We have some recovering families from COVID. We're thankful they're back today. Uh, a few families we're glad to hear. But I was talking with Rusty on the phone the other day, and um, we're talking about love. And let's remember this. The world, most of the world has an, an idea of love that's like, just be very giving and generous and happy and just affirm where everybody's at. They think that's love. But let's remember, we, if you, we know God, don't we? It's bigger than that. We, we need to love somebody so much that we will accept them where they're at, but we will, we will love them so much that we want to help them change and not stay there because, for instance, if somebody is in a lifestyle that is contrary to the gospel or a lifestyle that indicates that they're unsaved, like being homosexual, like homosexuality, which is infesting families, we have to say, I got to deal with this. And I got to deal with this in a way where you might even not like me and call me unloving, but it will be exactly the opposite. I'm going to risk you liking me. I love you so much that I'm going to talk to you in a point where I'm going to risk you not liking me anymore so that hopefully I can get through and see you eventually convicted and repent. See, a, a person in the world today says they're loving and say, oh, you're okay just how you are. Oh, you're okay. It's just fine. You want to marry a man, you're a man. Who, it's okay. I love you. You want to marry a woman, marry I love you. And we think that's love. And we say, wait, wait. I love you so much. I'm going to address this because there's a greater issue. It's between you and God. And he says something about that. And he says, he says his perfect son was pinned to a cross for that filth right there. And all my filth that may not be homosexual filth. His son was pinned to a cross because that offends him so much and my sin so much. And you realize that if you continue on that, you're basically saying no to this. And you're saying yes to eternal judgment. And if that disturbs somebody, let it disturb them. That's love. That's love with knowledge and judgment. Paul says, I'm praying for you. Philippians, to have that kind of love. You see, sometimes a church can be say, oh, we're so loving, we're so loving, that it becomes no use of judgment and, be, and it starts to gloss over things. We have to have love that has knowledge and judgment to it. What do I bound with? We'll move on to the next point in just a minute. What, is, what abounds in me? This is what happened to me. Is there something abounding in you that's not love? Is bitterness abounding? Is anger abounding? Sometimes I have to fight off anger. I get little anger frustrations. Uh, is unforgiveness abounding? What's, ab what's developing in your field of your heart? If, it's, if those things are abounding, then I'm, then I'm bearing the wrong fruit. But let's pray for ourselves that love abounds in us. That's what Paul prayed for them. We should pray that for ourselves. The next thing, look what he says. Again, we, we talked about this last week, but let's consider it again from another angle. Verse 10, he prayed that their love would abound. He prayed that they would approve things that are excellent. What does that mean? I'm praying that you would prove that you may approve things that are excellent. That you may approve things that are excellent. What does that mean? It means you, you would... Whatever you embrace and endorse, you endorse the best things. You know, 
you, you try to do the best. You try to endorse the best. You try to um, um, live the best, exemplify the best, speak the best, live the be- uh, uh, have a lifestyle that chooses the best things that reflect Jesus Christ to His glory and praise. What is it saying? It's saying to not accept me- mediocre style of Christianity. You know, how many of us sometimes listen to the talk radio or, or, all right, or any kind of radio? All right? Usually the, the host or one of them will have, he'll do his talk show and then he'll have a break and be like, hey, I want you to know that, uh, and he'll tell you about some great lawyer you know, that he endorses. Or like Dave Ramsey endorses certain um, in Xander Insurance and Churchill Mortgage and some of it. You know, he has his little, he has his little favorite things he endorses, Dave Ramsey does. He's like, I want you to know that I endorse this. And then it's even some local furniture people. I don't know how he knows about them, but um, he endorses. He has people that he names specifically. That, that's who I endorse. And a lot of people are like, is that Dave? Then let's do what Dave says, you know, because they trust his judgment. They trust he's going with the best stuff. And by and large, I, I think he does too. But they want to say, that's what he endorses? Then that must be good. He's approving things that are excellent in his mind. So what is it? So what do we endorse? What does my life endorse? Let's, again, if Paul's praying that for them, it must be good for me to, to consider what am I even doing and do I care about excellent things in my life? Do I care about excellence? Do I prove things that are good? What kind, let's ask a question. What kind of living do you and I endorse? What kind of living do I approve of for myself? What kind of manners? My wife and I had a little, we had to, address a couple of our boys yesterday because there were some bad manners. And like, the bottom line is because we want to approve the things that are excellent. And those were not excellent manners that we saw in a couple of the boys and we had to deal with it. What kind of uh, manners do I approve? What kind of music do I approve? Is it excellent? What kind of movies do I approve? What kind of work ethic do I approve? Not just for the guy under me, but for me. What kind of worship do I approve? I want to approve the things that are excellent. You know, one time I was going door knocking with one of my daughters, and, uh, and we were knocking doors and everything and talking to people. And we talked to a family. It's a Mormon family. They opened door. We got to talk to them a little bit. And uh, the, I think it was the mom. She said, so what kind of music do you have there at the church? I was like, well, we, I mean, we sing hymns, and we you know, try to have some instruments, and, you know, it's just kind of Christian hymns about Jesus, and, and I just gave a description of what we were like, and she goes, okay, because my son, he's got a friend, and um, they, they went to, they said that they, they'll go to each other's church, and his friend came to our church, and then uh, my son went to his church, and when my son went to his church, he came back and he's like, Mom, it was just a bunch of hooping and hollering and a rock concert. And this is the moment. I don't think they're hearing the gospel, okay? But they have a sense of external reverence to some level and some certain, le- you know. But he says, I think that, he said, my son came out. He says, Mom, this is a bunch of hooping and hollering. It was just a concert and, and um, um, a show. And there was no reverence. And she's like, do you have music like that? I was like, no. I mean, I mean, sometimes we kind of blow it on some of our specials and stuff. But I didn't say that, but 
you know, I'm just saying we're not perfect, but we're trying to have stuff that's good. I mean, Sarah plays well. We got our Farbox strings going on here, and uh, people singing. We're doing our best with our hymns and trying to put in some new stuff that's Christ-honoring. We want stuff that's excellent, right? Not impressive, and have lights and show and smoke and, you know, we're not trying to do that, right? Right, we're not trying to do that. Okay, so... Um, but, but at the same time, I want to have something that's good and something that's fresh and something that's worthy of the king. Yeah. You ever seen what they built, the, how they built the tabernacle? Yeah. The tabernacle, I mean, that had to be built kind of on the move in the wilderness. And then they built the temple later when they were more stationary and had a developed country. But both times, when they are building the tabernacle or the temple, <coughs> examine it. <coughs> Look at what the building, um, the specs and the substance and the... The fabric and the let's go, let's just take this temple the 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 way they cut the the stones and the and the the type of wood and gold plated and silver plated and and set this way and that way and, and the whole idea is that it was reflective of God and God was never thought of as common or just like us His house was different than everybody else's that was the point He was never thought of as common. And so for us, it's like, look, this isn't saying, hey, you need, to have a, a, you need to have a Rolls Royce and a nice house, a perfect. It's not talking about, it's just like, what are we projecting about God? Do I approve things that are excellent? Do I approve things that are excellent? The Bible says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. God is worthy of excellence in all that we do in our work, in our worship, and whatever we do here, the best we can with, you know, this little place we got. God is worthy of excellence in our attitude, in our speech. Let me give you five words, and I'm going to ask a question. Listen to these five words. Minimal, chintzy, apathetic, nonchalant, blasé. Do these five words describe your football viewing or your Christian service? Do they close, more closely describe my football viewing or my Christian service, you know? Who watches football blase? Well, maybe when the Cardinals have a losing season, you might. But I'm just saying, sometimes we're, we're very, we care about enthusiastically about things that aren't related to the Lord and blah, blah, about the things of the Lord. But he says, approve the things that are excellent. All right, so let's move along. Look at verse 3, or, or the third one, that is, not verse 3, but verse um, 10 that you may be sincere. It seems like they're a sincere church, right? Come on, so the Philippians. They welcomed Paul when he came and started the church and later on sent him a gift and he just, he's like, I'm praying that you may be, like, let's keep this going. Sometimes the, when people that are characterized as a being a very sincere person, you know what their biggest challenge is? Keeping themselves sincere. What does sincere mean? It, it means honest, free of disguise, without simulation. Ah, it's something we've got to fight because I've told you again, American Christians, everything is being simulated in front of you. We're simulated everything, artificial everything, pretend everything, pretend stages, pretend grass, pretend flowers, pretend plants, pretend all kinds of pretend stuff, faux wood, everything. You know, there's all kinds of pretend simulated stuff. And I don't care if you have it in your house, just don't have it in your character. So, um, so Paul says, I'm praying that you be sincere, that you are sincere. You know what the word, 
This is the, it's a really neat word he used, the, the Greek word. It's a, it means, um, it's two words it, that this is exactly what it means. Tested by the sun. This is exactly what the word means. Sun tested. We say sincere. When they heard it, oh, sun tested. That is, here's what would happen. So apparently, um, when they would sell pottery in some of the markets, some guy in a market, you know, one business owner might drop it and break it. And, oh, man, I broke that. And he'd try to go back and put the pottery together, and he'd use a little wax to, as a bonding agent. It's weird, but it might be enough to sell it for now. He'd use a little wax, put that thing together. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Five denarii or whatever they charge, you know, a talent. I don't know. But that's probably too much talent. But let's just say it. Two bucks. Okay. All right. Two dollars. And so, and so the person would come and buy it and they'd look at it. Okay. And they'd go off and, and uh, maybe they'd find out, oh, man, it had wax in it. It melted when I, so I put it on my porch, you know. And, or, or people that were wise, what they'd do is they'd take one of those before they buy it. They'd hold it up to the sun. And they'd look around for any spots where it shows a evidence of transparency or of betraying, uh, pardon me, of, of, of showing that it's been broken and the sun's going through the parts where it's cracked through the wax. And they, ah, that's not sincere. Because they sun tested it. That's not sincere. They wouldn't buy it. And Paul says, I pray that you be real, that you be... When you're examined by the sun, you're free of disguise. I read about this pastor. It, it was another pastor. He Sometimes I'll, I'll use a little bit of his commentaries or hear some of his pastoral preaching, and he used this example in one of his messages along this text. He's of a Baptist church back east, and he said that there was a family. It was actually a mom and two boys that came years ago and joined his church. It was a larger ministry, conservative ministry. And um, I don't even have it in front of me, but they joined his church, and um, when, the, when the mom and her boys came, she basically told the pastor, she wrote a letter to the pastor, this is probably in the late, probably in the 90s or something, um, and it basically said, uh, I'm starting over. I'm a single mom now. And here's what happened. Her husband came. She, pardon me, when she was married, she confronted her husband, suspected him of being unfaithful. And he admitted it to being unfaithful. But it wasn't with a woman. It was with a man, which was devastating to her. And what doubled the devastation was the man was her dad. And what was even worse is they are professing both of those men for a, in pastoral ministry, blew her world apart. Blew her world apart. And I'm sure she wrestled with God, but I'm glad eventually she didn't run away from God. But she did reset. And she tells us in the letter, and he found out that she was in the church and kind of let her be and let her grow and mingle with the other people. And she sat where their members sat. She sang next to their members, walked past their members on their campus, their boys sat in their teen class and sang in their teen choir and mingled among their people. And she said, I'm glad I found somebody. I, she, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me, but she basically said, Pastor, I'm glad we found somebody that can be trusted. 
Now, that doesn't mean everybody in the church is perfect, but she's saying it looks like everybody's pretty real around here because she is totally separated from her dad and her now an ex-husband, and it's just her and her boys. She's like, I'm just trying to reset. What is my purpose in life again? What's right again? Is this true again? You know? And her faith was affirmed. She was a Christian. She just needed it reaffirmed. And, um, and then she ended up leaving the church on good terms. She writes the pastor a letter and says, here's what happened to me. I left the church. God brought this other man into my life. My previous marriage being broken by fornication. I got married. We've been married a year now. We're in this such and such little town. And we're going to this such and such church. And we're going as a family. And we're doing fine. And I just wanted to write you and thank you. And the pastor basically was saying that he's glad that, he, that, that people in the church were found sincere. Because she wasn't married to one. And her dad wasn't one. And it made a difference. I'm just saying, look, you don't have to pretend to be perfect. We don't. Because you're not. But we had to be sincere. This is me, you know, and um, found true and held up to the light. People, pray for it if you don't have it. Keep it. Renew it. It might be the difference in someone's life. And then notice the last point. So pray for sincerity. Pray that for yourself. But notice the last point. Number four, without offense. He said, I pray that you would be without offense. Without offense. Till the day of Christ. Again, the word offense means not inducing someone to stumble. No hindrance. You know, I don't know. Was anybody tripped in any of the... Let me watch the Olympics. I didn't get to watch it. See, did anybody trip anybody? Did you see that? And they acted like they didn't probably. Yeah, see. One of them lied. One of them lied, yeah. Then he fell. Mm, went back yeah, on him. Well, Catherine's giving us the update here. <laughs> I didn't get to watch a lot of it. But the word, the idea, it, the, the word here, offend, means to trip somebody when you're like running or walking, to cause them to stumble. And I was just thinking of the Olympics because I know some of you all have been watching it. Yeah. So I don't want to trip somebody in life. I don't want to be a hindrance to somebody. Now, might I cause a little pain on purpose or disturbance in a good way? Yeah. Some people have the attitude, I don't care if I offend anybody. Well, what do you mean by that? You have bad breath. <laughs> my wife gave me a mint. I've got to make sure I'm good with that today. I got it in my pocket. I mean, what do you mean by that? You, you have a rotten attitude. You don't care that that offends somebody? You're always holding grudges, and people are offended because you're always offended. Can we stop this process here? I don't care if I offend anybody. Well, you're kind of a jerk. Is that what Jesus calls you to be? The idea is, okay, you gave the gospel and somebody's really mad. We've had people be mad about probably what I already said about homosexuality. That's offensive. But it might offend them toward Jesus if they, I mean, if they could respond rightly, it'd be like, okay, he's right. But if it's that I'm a jerk, I'm dishonest, I'm mean, I have bad breath. 
You know, those are things that are unnecessary that trip people, that hold, that don't help people. They're a, they're a hindrance. What do you call those things? I don't remember. Are they called segways in the, in the airport? Brother Kevin, you're in there all the time. Those things that go give you acceleration when you start walking around. What's that called? The, the walking, is, is that what they're called? The moving sidewalks? I like those things. I start walking, I'm like, let's get on them. I'm cruising, man. Look at this. All right, coming in for a landing. You know, like that. I like those things. Moving sidewalks. They, they, they advance somebody. They advance us quickly on our way. But I'm just thinking of that because, like, that's what I need to be to people. I want to move you on your way toward the Lord or toward good or toward a healing or toward a helpful family or toward the gospel. I want to move you on your way. I don't want to be like and be an offense and stop people and be a hindrance to the gospel, to church, to truth. Paul says, I pray that you Philippians will be without offense. They seem like they already are, but they could change overnight. You know, a person's, again, this is what I keep coming back to. Your Christianity can go like this overnight, so to speak. If we don't stay connected to the Lord, if we don't stay following the Lord, we used to be loving, we used to be sincere, we used to be the least offensive person you could find. But if we don't walk with the Lord, if we don't stay connected to the Lord and let Him develop us, you'll not be any of those things now or tomorrow. Paul's praying for them to continue to be this. There was two brothers, I, I, heard, I wish I, I want to go back and get the details of this story, but there's, this is the gist of the story. It's a blessing to me to hear this. Two, there's a family that went to a family conference in the Midwest, and they, they go to this family conference, and there, was, there may have been more in the family, but there was two brothers, an older brother, younger brother, and they didn't always get along the best, the older brother, the younger brother. The older brother was, had just been had a bad attitude, bad spirit, kind of ridiculed the little brother, picked on him sometimes. But he sat through some preaching, heard God's word on the matter of love and family living. And during finally, in one of the services, that older brother's like, I'm going to change. He pulled out in the middle of the service. He pulled out in the middle of the service and took his little brother, and they went out and back in the foyer while the service is still going. The older brother pulled out. He says, listen, pulls him out. He says, listen, I'm going to change. I am sorry. I'm not going to do this anymore, whatever those particulars. I'm going to, uh, the gist is ridiculing you, picking on you, having a bad attitude, a bad spirit. He says, I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm done with that. The older brother says to the younger brother. And he told his little brother that. They went back in, finished their service, maybe another day or so of the conference and went home. When the little brother goes home, he goes up to his parents, he goes, I'm going to live for God now. Isn't that amazing? That is a common occurrence with older sibling, younger sibling. The older sibling can have a lot of influence. All he has to do is don't be offensive, man. Be nice. Be kind. Advance your little brother. Advance your little sister. Be sincere and without offense. That's what Paul's praying for. These are things. Is there something here that you need? Look what, it, again, it tops it off with verse 11. We'll, we'll, we'll try to wrap this up. I think verse 11 is, is describing how this all happens. I thought it was part of the prayer request, but I think it's describing how it's all happened. 
being filled with the fruits of righteousness. That's what those things are that we just prayed for. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. What he's saying is, look, I'm praying for your love to grow and blossom. To, be, to prove things that are excellent, not just anything. To be sincere and without, and without offense. Being filled with the fruits. I think he's saying those are the fruits of righteousness, which are by not your earnest, merely only your prayers, but by Jesus Christ. That happens by Jesus farming our life. He's saying to the Th Philippians, this happens by Jesus farming your life, farming the field of your character. I, tried, I told you this, silly. We tried, I hope to grow corn one day. I really do. We, we tried it one year in our backyard. Man, I hosed that backyard down in that section. It's so much water and fertilizer. One of our church members is like, Pastor, you need to try bat guano or whatever it's called. I don't know. It, bat manure. And so he came over and he helped till bat manure in my, in my backyard. He said, this is going to work. And we sowed stuff. I did something and something else. And corn. I was just like, I just want some corn. And he had these stalks, and we watered them so much, and finally something grew. Something grew like that big, you know. And we pulled off a few of them and, you know, ate them. So it's just, I didn't get much out. I couldn't quite grow it. I know if I worked at it, and I know some of you probably have some advice. Pastor, you have several grows, and they pollinate each I know that. I've learned that now, but um, I just go to the grocery store. <laughs> so but my point is, I had difficulty growing something. Listen, what I'm trying to say is, in and of ourselves, I can't be the loving like the world and my family need me to be. I can't be sincere as much and as consistently as I ought to be. And I can't always know what to approve that's excellent. And I can't always be the non-offensive in the good way. But Jesus, those can happen by Jesus can happen by Jesus to the glory and praise of God. So let's wrap this up. What, are you, what is developing in your life? It, it's probably related to what perhaps you're praying. It is, we do need to pray this. We do need to yield to Jesus on these things to, of what we're speaking of. What, what are you not praying for? Does this need to develop in your life? I'm just saying, well, apparently what this great church needs, we could use that and keep it growing. The greatest thing in the first prayer to be considered is a sincere, genuine faith that's evidenced by prayer in what Jesus Christ did for you. The Bible says, now, if you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, and that He was risen, died and was risen from the dead, and you confess with your mouth. That's the first thing. That's the most important prayer right there. Evidence of faith that you have. You confess with your mouth. You will be saved from that storm of God's wrath. You'll be saved from hell. In other words, whoever will, Romans 10, 13 says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The biggest issue is not trying, all right, I'm going to try to be more loving or be more sincere. Well, first of all, you've got to make sure you're saved. That you're saved. You've asked Jesus to be your Savior in all sincerity, understanding what He did for you. Call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. That's the most important.
prayer where things begin.